Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. This episode is brought to you by YourWelder.com. YourWelder.com is an online directory of mobile welders. Whether at your home or at your industrial processing plant, we come to you. Our community of mobile welders can repair anything from the neighbor's mailbox that you just backed into or the cat bulldozer sitting on your job site. YourWelder.com is a directory of highly skilled professionals willing to help you on your job site on your timetable. YourWelder.com screens all of their welders using tools like photos from social media apps such as Instagram, Parler, and Facebook, even face-to-face meetups. YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media where I'll include their links in the show notes. All right, hey guys, what's going on? Um, I got a lot to talk about. Well, I don't know if it's a lot, but... I woke up this morning and I was going to go to the gym because gym time is usually eight in the morning for me. And I'm, I'm sitting here. It's eight 30. I'm, I'm drinking coffee. I can't stop thinking. I had a lot go on yesterday and I feel like today would be an appropriate day to record. I was actually going to go to the farm later on this afternoon. And I think I'm still going to do that, but I didn't want to go without putting my thoughts down uh, for another episode, which is this episode. Um, I just I just dive into it. So um, you know this thing that you know we talk a lot about doing things that make you uncomfortable. Um, I don't just practice that, or I don't just preach that. I practice it too, and it's hard. It's hard for me because, um, you know, I I'm a voice over here telling people to do that, and I got to be sure that when I see signs of myself reclusing. And not wanting to make my part, myself a part of things, that I'm falling back into the grips of the depression, the anxiety, the the the, the struggles from post traumatic stress, and all of that. And the reason we do that is because, hey, everything's safe here. Everything's safe here, back here at my in my at my house, in my yard, in my backyard, sitting by my pool. I don't have to worry about triggers. I don't have to worry about f- flipping out on anybody. I don't have to worry about the crazy thoughts that go through my head when somebody does something wrong to me. I'm safe here. And when I'm here, my family's is not my family's not in jeopardy because of what could potentially happen from my behavior. And I think a lot of times that's what keeps a lot of us that have experienced certain things and certain traumas and the way that it affects us, that's what keeps us from going out into the world. We're actually afraid of ourselves. And I know I'm afraid of myself sometimes. And it's just, that's been a a thing I've had to learn. And it's something that, um, it's, a, it's a constant educational, um, I don't even know, I don't even know if that's the right terminology for it, but I'm I'm constantly having to teach myself new things and I'm I'm constantly having to watch myself and be aware of myself and how other people make me feel. And because my reaction to normal situations is going to be an abnormal reaction to most people, to 99% of society <clears throat> because of who I am, because of my my makeup because of my experiences in life, my reactions are completely normal to me and would be completely normal to people just like me. Those of you listening who support this podcast and uh, from day one, because you're probably here because you get it. Um, I had somebody reach out yesterday and they were like, I want to check out your podcast. And I was kind of like, uh, I don't think, and I know this person. I was kind of like, I don't know if I could think you want to listen. I don't think you want to fucking listen to this podcast because, uh, it, it ain't you. Yeah. Because I know this person and I was kind of like, um, you're probably going to tune out after the first time you hear goddamn cocksucking motherfucker. Ah, that coffee's good this morning. 
So here's what I want to get to. Um, it's hard because, uh, so like, here's, here's the deal. Yesterday, a friend of mine was retiring. So when I, when I first became a firefighter in, in 2000, right after I got out of the military, I became a firefighter back home. The, the department where I grew up, when I talk about in my book, when I talk about getting my balls busted as a young kid at the fire station, right? These guys were always there and these guys became family to me. And I got to watch these men at the time who were young men, I got to watch them grow up and have careers in the fire service. And then when I got out of the, uh, the military, I went back home to that same department, a smaller department. We only had three stations back then, but it was a, it was a relatively busy department for the size based on, um, I mean, not based on, but the, the calls that they would go on were pretty, some pretty fucking gruesome, pretty gruesome calls. And, by the time I got back to that department, these guys now, you know, from middle school, they were all on the job, 10, 12 years, something like that. They were vets. And then when I got on the job, I started working for them and nothing changed. I mean, now they were just even bigger ball busters and hardened because of the job. And, um, now they're all retiring and I had a, I had a buddy of mine that I worked with. He he just retired from that department, and his wife sent me a uh, a secret invite, and I was so honored when I received that because because this was a it was kind of a secret party that they were throwing for him, not like a swingers party or anything like that. It wasn't um, <clears throat> it wasn't that kind of secret, but it was just they were throwing a surprise retirement party for him, and um, it was back in my hometown. And I decided uh, when I got the invitation, I, I sat it on my desk, and I have a busy schedule, all right? And I kept looking over at it, and I was like, man, I really want to go to that. I really want to go to that. But then I found myself talking myself out of it. And I found myself making excuses as to why I wouldn't be available on that day. Now, these people are very special to me. I love both of them. I love him and his wife. Um, they've supported me in my career. And that's what I'm getting at. It's it's this sickness, it's this diagnosis, it's this injury, whatever you want to call it, that never goes away, that fucks you up six ways from Sunday, and it makes you not want to be around people, even people that you care about, because we're afraid to get out of our comfort zone. We're afraid to get out of things we cannot control. And so I, I found myself... Um, coming up with every single excuse and there was an RSVP date and I kept watching the RSVP, RSVP date getting closer and closer and closer. And I was like, shit, what am I going to do? But I really wanted to go. That's the thing. I was struggling so hard because I wanted to be there. But then the other side of me was like, no, don't go. Don't put yourself in a position that you can't control. So the RSVP date went and I had excuses made and they were the excuses were, um, I mean, they weren't excuses. They were real. But, I, I mean, I, I make my own schedule so I can bend some things and move some things if I really want to. Well, I told her via message on Instagram, like, hey, I'm not I'm not going to be able to make it, unfortunately. And then she responded. She's like, oh, no, that, that stinks. I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. And, man, I felt like shit. I, I was like, how do, you, how do you do this, Travis? How do you, how do you look yourself in the mirror, right? <laughs> And so I sat on it for a couple days and yesterday I decided, I woke up and I said, you know what? I can't fucking do that. I sit here and talk about doing things that make you uncomfortable. Uh, I talk about getting outside of your comfort zone. I talk about integrating into society and how, how would that look if I was just preaching it, but not practicing it. And so I messaged her yesterday morning. I said, Hey, I'm coming. And, and, and I had anxiety about the whole thing because I could stay here in my safe zone and everything would be perfect and nothing, nothing, there wouldn't be a problem, but you know what I would become? I'd become a fucking hermit. And the problem is you make an excuse one time, the next time it's another excuse. And then time after that, it's another excuse. And then time after that, it's another excuse until people just stop inviting you. I don't get invites to go anywhere because I stopped going. And then I started thinking about that. I go, man. I'm really honored that they invited me. And so I'm fucking going. 
and it turned out to be the best decision that I made. And so I get back to my old department yesterday and all, I see a bunch of faces I haven't seen in 20 years. If so, I left that department in 2002 when I came to Charleston and, uh, Man, the stories we were telling. So we were telling stories from when I was a young man. I saw a bunch of the older guys from when I was a young man before I came into fire service. And then I saw a bunch of the guys that I worked with. And we were talking about one, one part. The shit was so funny because I talk about these old school dudes, right? And I talk about the old school mentality. And in the course that I instruct, post-traumatic purpose is the name of the course. I talk about leadership, mental wellness, resili- resiliency, all these things, right? And in that course, I talk about the need for communication and I talk about the need for we how we need to open up and start talking to one another about shit that goes on on this job and how the old school mentality is killing us that suck it up mentality is killing us because we suck it up so much that we're too afraid to let it out that we end up fucking dying over it man and uh killing ourselves over it and I'm standing there talking to one of the old dudes and he goes this shit was so funny he had a beer in his hand or no, not beer. He was drinking water. I'm sorry. And I, and uh, somebody else was drinking beer. But he had water. And he's like, yeah, man. He goes, these fucking kids, they don't get it today. They're fucking these fucking pussies. And I'm like, I'm nodding with him. I'm like, yeah, where are you going with this? And uh, he goes, all they want to do, they want to talk about shit. They want to talk about their feelings. And goddamn communication. And and I'm just died laughing because he's been retired for 11 years. And uh, he goes, he looks at me and goes, so what do you do now? And so he didn't know what I do now. And I said, I actually um, teach courses on um, feelings and how to how to talk about things and uh, actually communication and uh, teach it to first responders and talk about how we need to start opening it up more. And he's like, are you shitting me? I said, no, man, I'm not shitting you. And he goes, well, they start backpedaling, start doing that politician shit. He's like, yeah, you know, I, I understand there is kind of a need for it. But and I got it, man. I was I was on the same page. We 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 laughed because uh, he was a. Uh, he was he he said you know man it is a fucked up job and uh, he goes but the people the quality of people coming in today they're a lot softer and uh, seems like because it's that generation of trophy kids coming in and I'm not I'm not saying everybody in the fucking in emergency services is soft that's not what I'm saying but it's a uh, it's a different mentality now than what it was back in the day and. That's what I was telling him needs to change. And I said, well, the reason we've been losing so many people is because we were doing it wrong for so many years, regardless of who's coming in, you know, if they're softer or not, we don't need to bury this shit anymore. And that's why we've been burying our own is because we've been burying our, our, our feelings and our thoughts and we didn't have anybody to talk to. And he and I started talking and I asked him, um, about the, um, the, the Pepsi truck and he was on a Pepsi truck call and without getting too in depth with it, he was involved in a Pepsi call that, uh, killed an eight year old boy. A Pepsi truck hit this eight, eight year old boy and, and knocked his entire face off. But, um, I remember the impact that that had on them when, when I was younger. And when I asked him about that, he looked at me and he says, man, I ain't never talked about that. And that right there, I could tell in that minute, in that moment that we had, he wanted to get something off his chest. He wanted to talk about it. As hard as a man is and as much respect as I have for him, I saw it in his eyes. And it was a it was a it was a it was a crazy thing. Then we started talking about a um a fire that I wrote about in my book where um it was a fire on a place called Myrtle Island. Myrtle Island Road and uh that's where a man burned up in a fire that I came through a window and fell on top of his body. And, uh, I remember that night after we, we found this man, it was a, it was a fire at like two in the morning. And then I remember that night hearing his, uh, his, his daughter screaming when she pulled up in the yard. And I'll never forget that. It's those shrill screams that you hear from a family member when they know that they just lost a, a family member violently. And it's those screams that, that never leave you that you hear. And that's why screaming is a big trigger for me. Cause it's not just her screams that, that, that follow me around. It's a lot of other screams. It's, it's, uh, I, I've made no, no bones about it. It's kids screams. It's, uh, it's women screams. It's, um, I've heard men scream and, uh, screaming fucks me up six ways from Sunday. 
and it doesn't send me into the shakes or, or anything like I go hide in a corner, but it does something to me internally and it takes me to a different place. And if I'm having a moment with you and we're having a good conversation at a barbecue or something like that and kids start screaming, I'm still looking at you, but I'm not hearing a fucking thing you're saying because now I'm reliving something else and I'm doing the whole, yeah, yeah. Yeah, shaking my head during the conversation because I'm really not paying attention to what you're fucking saying until this kid knocks it off, and then I gotta, then you gotta shake that off, and then, then you gotta try to function at a high level with all these other people that are around, and so that's why I, I tend to keep myself away from from things. So I start making the rounds, and I start running these other firefighters, man. And God damn the stories that they were telling, and um. And these were stories that I was involved in. And these were stories that I always tell people that I can't tell. These were those stories. And one new guy walks over in the middle of a story. And his jaw is wide open. And one of the retired guys, my buddy, is dying laughing. I'm dying laughing. I'm in tears. And the new guy looks at me and goes, you're that guy? And I said, yeah, I'm I'm that dude. And he goes, I've heard about you. And a shit was... I can't even tell you the story. I wish I could, but it like I can't. There's no fucking way I can tell you all this because the ramifications that society would fucking put on me, man. It's crazy, but uh, yeah, those were good times, and uh, we talked about um, the man. There were so many incidents. There was a uh, there was a time where uh, Santa Claus died. In a, um, in a fucking trailer, and he was there for, I want to say he was there for two weeks, something like that, in the middle of summer. The guy that played Santa Claus during the, um, during the fairs, or, or no, I mean during the parades and shit. But we were, where this event was, it was right where that, where his body was found. And then, you know, it's, um, we started talking about all these other horrible incidents, and I, I met up with these other two guys, and they were, they were army veterans and I didn't work with them, but we, we were standing off to the side and they started opening up cause they know who I am. They know what I do. And I know one of them. I've met him before. I know his wife and actually I know the other one too, excuse me, but not like we haven't hung out. I met in passing Facebook shit like that. So I don't know him intimately. Let's just say, but we start talking, man. We had the best conversation with these two guys because they get it. They were in the Iraq war. They were a part of some nasty shit. And they didn't have to sit here and tell me stories for, for me to validate that. I just You just know. You know by the way they speak. You know by their demeanor. You know by the look in their eyes. Um, the way they carry themselves. You just know. And we started talking and we had a great conversation. We started talking about all kinds of shit. And one of the, one of the dudes looks at me and goes, see, we, you can't fucking talk with people like this. And he goes, and the other guy goes, yeah. He goes, it's just great when you can talk with people who get it. He goes, you don't even have to talk about certain incidents. You just talk with someone who gets it. And one guy was telling me how he goes to a therapist and he couldn't find a fucking therapist for a long time because they don't get it. And he goes, I walk in there and she's trying to tell me like, you don't need to be cussing and, and this and that. And that is exactly why I cuss on this podcast. I've heard that from other people. I've, I got critics. Listen, I don't give a fuck. But they're like, ah, man, maybe if you take some of the language out, fuck you. This is how we talk. This is how most first responders communicate. We don't filter what we say. I'm not saying that they're dropping fuck bombs everywhere they go. But for a large chunk of us, a large chunk of us are, are prior military. We are, we've been in the, the military services and we're kind of rough around the fucking edges. And we don't care what comes out of our mouth because we're not trying to impress anybody. We're just being who we are. And the guy was telling me that when he had that therapist, he's like, well, how am I supposed to go to therapy if I can't be who I am? And I started laughing. He's like, what's so funny about that? And I go, bro, let me tell you a funny story. This is a true story. So over the years doing doing training and uh, mental health training and, and seminars and talking and, and, and keynote presentations, I've had the luxury to talk to a bunch of fine people. And then one time, one time, I had to speak to a new group of mental health counselors and there were some veteran mental health counselors in there, but they also had some, some new folks that were coming in and 
they were being trained to become uh, counselors for first responders, which is a great thing. That's a wonderful thing. You want to give give back to those who are get putting so much of themselves out there. So they ask of all people me to come in, and the gentleman setting up the uh, setting up the event. You know, he asked if I wanted to do this. We talked about it. We made it happen, and I pulled him to the side before, and I said, "Look, you know me," and I said, "You know I'm not going in here with a filter." I'll go, I'm not going in, go in here and curse these people out, but I'm, I'm not going to go in here and filter who I am. I'm not going to pretend to be something I'm not. He goes, go be you. And I go, okay, but you know, that's a little much for some people. <laughs> so I go in here, I introduce myself. Hey, I'm Travis Howes. You know, this is who I am. I'm former Marine, pol- former police officer, a retired city of Charleston firefighter. Um, I was injured in the 2007 Sofa Superstore fire. I was part of the body recovery team of the nine fallen guys, um, all of them who I knew very intimately, one who is my best friend on the job. And uh, I said, if you have a problem with language, I was like, now's the time to get up and leave. And I said it just like that. And there's a reason why I was setting the tone for them. Now, this isn't how I speak at every event, but I wanted to set the tone for these new counselors coming in because I wanted them to prepare them for who they're about to start meeting in their new line of work. It's men and women like me, men and women who are about to speak with such harshness and such lack of filtering that they need to know that, Hey, I don't, I didn't want it to catch them off guard. So I I tried to prep them. And the second I started talking, I saw some of them like, Holy shit. And cause I got dark, I got really dark, really quick. And, um, when I go there, when I have to go there in my mind, the last thing I want to do is think about people's feelings. I want to, I don't want to wonder, worry is, is this too much? Because if I'm trying to be raw and I'm trying to be authentic with you, I don't need to be trying to play pretend in my mind because it's going to skew what I'm trying to say. I don't want to think about it. I just want to be real. And so I go there and it's a very, very hard place. And I don't always go there when I speak because sometimes it's not necessary. But for this, this day, this was very necessary. And so I went there and afterwards, the gentleman that brought me out, shook my hand. You know, um, a lot of people came up to me afterwards. I know uh, he came over to me and said, hey, yeah, man, I got a complaint about the language. And I said, good. I said, that's exactly what I wanted. And he said, he's like, what? I said, because that, that person, whoever's complaining to you is not going to be a good therapist for first responders. I said, first responders and military people do not need to worry about hurting a fucking therapist's feelings. They need to be exactly who they are when they go into that office. They're already coming in here worrying about being judged and worrying about is something wrong with me? Am I not, am I not right? That's the last thing they need to worry about. They need to be able to walk in there, hold their head, hold their head high, confidently walk in there, shut that door and just go, motherfucker, it took everything I had to be in this goddamn place, but I'm glad I'm here. And that's what they need. And they need to have a therapist sitting across from them that understands that. Because just because you're going into um, clinical work to be a therapist doesn't mean you're the right therapist for a certain demographic, right? It doesn't. I'm not taking anything away from therapists because they're fucking wonderful people. They saved my life. I got an amazing therapist, but she understands when I go in there some days I'm a little wound up tight and she knows she doesn't take it personal. You know, she sits back, she lets me get my motherfuckers out and then we talk and we actually have a lot of laughs in there. I mean, she and I, we have a good time. Um, But if the language is going to be offensive to a therapist, perhaps they should go be a therapist for children or therapist for um, a different part of society, whatever part that would be. Maybe the military and first responders are not for them because I'm so passionate about this. I'm so passionate about helping these men and women who are so damaged that we got to put the right people in front of them. I, I have another friend of mine. He, he's a speaker. He's a national speaker. He told me he thinks he gave his fucking therapist. He, he got put in front of a new therapist one time. And he's like, I think I gave her fucking PTSD. She started crying. <laughs> Holy shit. So going back to the conversation I was having with these two army dudes was this. 
they found more value in the conversation that we were having about absolutely nothing than they did with the therapist that they went in there and tried to open up to about real shit. Because when you're having a conversation about nothing with people who just get it, it's a load off of your chest, man. It's a weight off you. And we talked about it, man. And I talk about this in my courses. Like, I'm not saying when we have to check on one another in, in our business that we're in that you got to go in there and bake cookies for a motherfucker. You know, I'm not saying you got to go in there with a bouquet of roses or flowers and be like, hey, bro, um, do you want to put your feet up and let me massage? No, because we're still ball breakers. We're still tough motherfuckers, right? It's still okay to be a hard motherfucker. But he said it best, one of my boys yesterday, he goes, dude, what's wrong with just going up and saying, hey, motherfucker, you good? And I go, nothing. I go, that's exactly what it takes. And I said, because as simple as that is, are you good? One day, one of us is going to look at him and be like, no, bro, I'm not good. I'm glad you fucking asked. And that may be all it takes to save somebody's life and you don't even know it. Because back in the day... When I was coming up, if somebody asked, hey, man, are you good? They would have been considered weak for even being fucking concerned if you're good. So they didn't ask. It was more like, you better be good or you better get the fuck off this job. That's what it was like. And that's what we're trying to get away from. And there there has to be a certain level of grit. Just like I talk about those therapists. Look, everybody is not. Everybody that is in uniform is not right for these professions. There's a lot of people that come on these professions and that they're just, they're not built for it. It looks great on TV. It looks cool on posters, recruiting fucking videos and stuff like that. And then they get there and they realize, Hey man, this, this is real. Like this, this shit really happens. People, the one thing that always got me was that. Majority of the population, they have no clue what goes on in their community around them. They have no clue. Unless it affects them directly, they never know. Because the news ain't coming out and reporting about the three suicide calls that you fucking went on. They're not they don't care about that. News only cares about breaking news, right? And if it people think, well, there's no breaking news today, nothing must have happened. That's how it that's I'm telling you. Somebody gets well, who who was that? A message me the other day talking about a two year old got ran over by a fucking lawnmower and killed. I can't remember who it was, but somebody messaged me that, and I was thinking, if that were here in my in my jurisdiction, that wouldn't that wouldn't make the news. I mean, it might, but it that's the thing, it might. But you got people that are going to stuff like that, that are responding to stuff like that, and there are thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of incidents that happen every single day that never get any kind of attention. Now, I'm not saying that. We're trying to, hey, I think the news camera should follow us around. Probably a good thing that he don't. But majority of society doesn't doesn't think about what these responders go through. But they're the first ones to be like, oh, thank you for what you do. And it's like, you have no fucking clue what I do. None. But thank you for saying that. Thank you. Here's where I'm going to get, I'm going to get to a, a part. Well, long story short... I'm glad. I'm so fucking happy that I went yesterday to my buddy's retirement. And um, it felt amazing. All those all those worries I had, all those concerns I had, I felt, I felt alive, man. I felt like, oh, man, being around people. I was standing in that taco truck. This shit was funny, man, because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bigger fella. They had, a, they had food trucks for a bunch of firemen. And I'm glad they were prepaid because... I go up and I get two tacos, man. <laughs> I house them bitches. And then uh, I turn around, literally, because nobody else was in line. I, I just turned around, ate them, turned back around and said, hey, can I get two more of those? And the guy goes, didn't you just order? And I said, yes, sir, but I heard there's no limit on tacos. And the, and the owner of the truck goes, yeah, that's right. No, you guys can eat as much as you want. And he goes, he was telling the young kid, he goes, these firemen, they're good. They're going to eat us out of all of our inventory, but that's fine. They, they're paid up. And I had like six more of them fucking tacos. They had an ice cream, um, ice cream truck out there. They had a pizza truck. Jesus Christ! It was, 
it was paradise for firemen. You lucky they didn't have well they had beer, but you lucky they didn't have like a a beer truck or something like that. They would have floated the damn truck because these boys they. It's funny, man, because I don't I don't drink anymore, but I sit around and watch them. Them fuckers just kick them back. It's a good time. I got slapped in the head when I was a young kid and I was riding to a call. So in my book, when I tell you guys I used to go on these fucking uh, calls, uh, they would throw me on the rig and just take me to these calls. And I was 15, 16 years old. And sometimes you and I talk about one fatality I went to uh, of another firefighter one time. That was my first real call that I ever went on. My my first real call ever in, a, in an emergency apparatus was to the death of a fireman. And I didn't even know it. And that's that story's in my book. But. From 15 to 18, I went on, I can't tell you how many fatal accident calls I went on. And that's why I was really desensitized to a lot of death at a young age. And not just because of that, it's because of some other shit that I talk about in my book where that I was exposed to as a young man outside of the fire department. But I remember, <laughs> I can't say names. This shit is funny. I remember this one guy, he's a, uh, he was a retired, no, he wasn't retired, but he was an ex-army drill instructor. I want to say he was a Vietnam guy. I don't know. He may have been post-Vietnam. But he was old. He was mean as shit, too. He slapped and He would slap the fuck out of you. And we were riding this old engine. It was a Mack. The, the engine was called Mack. And uh, it was just him in the driver's seat going to this emergency call. So he threw me in there as a fucking 16-year-old kid for help. And uh, it was a wreck. And we were hauling ass. And we were on this this road. He was trying to he was trying to get over, and he was trying to look in the blind spot in the mirror. And I'm so excited. I got my head all up, looking out the fucking window. And the next thing I know, I got slapped so fucking hard upside my head. And he goes, "Sit back, you stupid motherfucker." I mean, that was. These are the men, in the fire service, that I came up under. Like that's how that's how it was. And he made no apologies for it. And my stupid ass, I sat up in that seat like an old damn trained puppy dog. Okay, daddy. And I sat up so he could see in his blind spot and get over. And he's like, don't you ever fucking stick your head in that goddamn blind spot. I mean, he was going off on me. I, I wish I could drop his name because this is the same dude. This is the same guy. He ended up becoming a lieutenant. When I got out of the Marine Corps, I came back on the job. Now he was a lieutenant and he was in charge of people. And I was like, oh, shit. And I actually had to work for him one day. And... uh one fourth of July, I decided to um, take off all my clothes and streak in front of the fire station because I thought my buddy firefighters were in front of the fire station. And this story's in the book, so I'm not going to tell the whole thing. But when I ran around the corner, there were more than just firemen in front of that station, and I wasn't prepared for this. And he was the lieutenant that day. Well, this motherfucker ran into the station. Instead of trying to get my back and like help me and shoo me to where I could get my clothes, he ran inside and locked all the fucking doors and tried to lock me out of the firehouse so I would get caught <laughs> out in the parking lot butt-ass naked with my 22-year-old thing hanging out. But I got to one door before they could get it locked. But, yeah, that would have got me in a lot of trouble. So I'm telling you, things were buck wild back then. But uh, he was a good dude. And I remember one time at a Christmas party when I was a young man. He liked Jack Daniels, right? And... uh he goes, hey, Scrotum, because my nickname was Scrotum when I was young. Have I told y'all about this? I think, yeah, that might be in the book. They called me Scrotum, and um, I guess because I hung around so much. I don't know why I got that nickname, but um, he goes, Scrotum, go make me another Jack and Coke. And I was, I think I was, I think this, I was 15 still. And uh, no, I was 16 because it was at nighttime, and I was able to drive at nighttime when I was 16. So I go to the bar at 16 years old. I'm pouring this man a drink. And I never made a drink before. I was like, shit. I gave him three quarters Jack Daniels and a splash of Coke in this big ass glass. And his wife found out. She went over there and grabbed it. And she threw it at me. She was so mad because he was drunk as shit trying to fight everybody and all that. Good times. Here's what I want to get at. After the event yesterday, I was so excited, man. I, I had the best time, and uh, I was leaving, and I was on the phone with my best friend, Randy. And uh, I'm driving down the road, and this is what I'm talking about. This right here is exactly why I knew I shouldn't have left my house, because society 
will fucking test you at every turn, it seems like. And when you're not normal, and you know you're not normal, and you know you have problems, the best thing for you is to stay out of it and to stay away from everybody and everything. And it's a it's a protection mode that we go into. I don't want to go out there and deal with these fucking idiots because I know me. I know my capabilities. I know what could happen. But I also talk about exercise and self-control. And when you're not in control of yourself, you're weak. And yesterday I was weak. Well, almost. Well, kind of. Let me tell you what happened. So I'm driving on a four-lane road. I'm heading back. I'm heading towards the interstate. I'm on the phone with my friend Randy. And I see this truck coming. I see it. I see it coming. And I told him, I go, I think this truck's going to try to run up my ass. And it had one of them big, bright bull bars. It was like a, a LED on the front bumper. Had his headlights on. It wasn't completely dark yet. There was no need to even have your lights on. It was still probably an hour until it was dark. Here's where I fucked up. I saw this car coming. And me, instead of just moving over, I was like, fuck them. I'm not moving. If they're going to act like that, I'm not moving. So... Sure enough, I got what I asked for. That car, that truck ran right up in my ass. I mean, didn't hit me, but it might as well have. And I remember my heart beating out of my chest. I'm on the phone with Randy and having some not so nice words about some feelings I was having. And the truck, since I didn't move, well, two two reasons. If I would have moved, I could have moved over and this truck was so close to me. If they would have chosen to move, this is where defensive driving comes in. Right. And I, I like to think that I'm a, a pretty good driver. I know if I would have moved and if they would have moved at the same time, we would have wrecked. So I just, I held the course and I was like, they're just going to have to go around me since they're riding this tight on me. If I move and they move, it's over. So finally the big ass truck gets over the window comes down. And out of the out of the window comes a fucking arm with a middle finger stuck high in the fucking air. And it was a woman. And I wouldn't have thought a woman was driving this truck. I figured it was going to be some guy. And I saw that window coming down. And I'm going to tell you. Well, I'll tell you, fuck it. When I saw that window coming down, I looked. I thought somebody was pulling a gun out. Right. And so. I wasn't going to get caught. Not being prepared. I'll just say that. And so I was pleased when I just saw a finger come out of the window and truck sped around me and I watched it go up and do that to more people. And the thoughts that were going through my fucking mind at that time, here's where I messed up. I was talking to Randy and, uh, I said, man, I said, uh, it's, it's stupid fucking people like that is why I don't want to be putting myself out here because that person's going to run up on the wrong motherfucker. And lucky it was just me. And lucky it wasn't a guy that was looking to go back to prison. Or as lucky it wasn't a couple gangbangers in that fucking car. Because she'd be fucking dead. That Case in point. That lady that was just out in California or wherever it was. Who flipped that guy off. And he just stopped his car in the middle of the road. And got out and fucking sprayed the car. And it ended up killing a kid. And it was because of her actions. That he did that. And he's at fault. Don't get me wrong. The guy that, that, that did the shooting. But she instigated that, you know, I wasn't there. I'm not trying to Monday morning quarterback, but you can't be flipping people off in traffic. You can't be rolling hard up behind somebody and acting like that. This, these ain't the fucking 1980s anymore. These people out here are crazy. I don't need to get into the thoughts I was having. You can probably imagine how fucking furious I was inside. But I had a conversation with my friend and we, and we can have very honest conversations, not, favorable conversations right it's um we call each other on our bullshit all the time and he said dude you were looking for that and that's why you didn't get over when you saw it coming and i tried to i tried to make an excuse and i was like no i wasn't and then i realized i heard what i was doing i said you know what you're right you're 100 percent correct i saw that problem coming my way and i've always been a guy you got to look back on my background on my training my experience i've always been a guy that handles confrontation i don't avoid it very well as an older man now as a not an older man but as a, as a more mature man i've been working on that and i've been working on look i'm not in those those lines of work anymore that ain't for me i'm not the fucking 
world police anymore. I'm not the local police anymore. I'm just a dude. I'm somebody's father. I'm somebody's husband. I'm somebody's child. I don't need these fucking problems. They're not my problems to solve. Now, if the problem comes to me and and like directly to me, then I'll handle it. But what I should have done in that instance, I'll let you think about what do you think I should have done while I'm in that lane of traffic and I saw this car coming up behind me. What should I have done? I should have just moved over and let that be somebody else's problem down the road because the position that I put myself in was a very, very dangerous one. That could have turned very ugly really quickly. And I was thinking about my two kids that are right now, they're out of town, they're at camp. And I was thinking of how their lives would have just been changed upside down had that situation turned any other way than what it did. Honestly, I think that was the universe doing me a favor. It wasn't her. It wasn't that person driving that that truck because they're gonna get they're gonna get theirs. Whatever's coming to them, it's coming. It takes a special kind of person um, to ride down the road, running up, bullying people like that, rolling up on her ass, flipping people off like that. Nothing good's coming their way. But I like to think I'm a pretty good dude, and 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 I'm 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 I contribute to society. I'm not just stealing oxygen from the planet. I don't need to be putting myself in those situations. And I think what that was was a learning lesson for me that, he, hey, even Travis, even, hey, you at 43 years old who is trying to figure this out because that's all I'm trying to do, man. I'm just trying to figure all this out. I'm trying to figure out what makes me tick. I'm trying to figure out what um, what makes me happy. And I'm trying to stay away from things that don't make me happy. And then I immediately started thinking, had I just stayed home, this wouldn't have happened to me. Had I just stayed home, I wouldn't be feeling the anxiety that I'm feeling. I would have just sat at home and had a nice hermit day with no friends, no laughter, no joy, no joy, (laughs) right? I could have just sat home and been safe all day. Or, Or I can learn from that and I know next time just move the fuck over and let somebody be somebody else's problem down the road. It ain't mine. It ain't got to be my problem. What I, and what I'm getting at is I've talked about this in other episodes. Let's not make our problems everybody else's problems. And that's it. It's that fucking simple. But I think that's where pride comes in. That's where, um, with me, it's doing it's doing the right thing and not letting bullies you know, push you around kind of thing because I've always been like that. I, that's my, one of my biggest things. I don't like bullies. I don't like seeing what they do to people. And... But I, you can't, you can't beat them all. That's what I've learned in life is even if I would have stopped that incident, there's 10,000 more of those that are about to happen all around the fucking planet. You know, if not more than that, that's just one incident. you, you're not going to stop them all. So pick your battles, right? And my biggest battle, and, and I think our biggest battle is the battle within the battle that goes on inside of us on how we're going to react to something. It's a powerful thing, man. And and I lost control yesterday in a sense, you know, and I'm not saying I lost complete physical control, but I put myself in a confrontational position that I didn't need to be put in. And, and I hate that. I hate that at 43 years old, I did that. And I thought I was past that. And I guess I'm not, but <clears throat> It's not easy to to admit, but but it happened, and I learned from it. Um, you know that old saying. I remember you remember that saying. It takes a bigger man to walk away, and I used to th- that that. There's no truer statement. Just walk the fuck away. Just go the other way. If it unless you're put in a corner, there's no need to even put yourself in these positions. When that happened, I was like, man, this shit only happens to me. I started having that initial like victim victim thoughts, like the victim mentality. Why does this shit always happen to me? It only happens to me. And it wasn't true. It was right in front of my eyes. It was happening to other people on the roadway right in front of me. So it wasn't just me. I think with people with similar backgrounds, um, similar experiences in life that, that, I've, that I've had, I think that we're just more aware of of, of those things. Cause I can look at people that do not have similar backgrounds or similar experiences 
And they seem to float through life just fine. And I'm fucking envious of that. I would love to be able to do that. Where, oh, somebody's on my ass. I'm going to just move over. and Or some, some guy's trying to push me around and I'm just going to walk the other way. I said a long time ago in other episodes, man, like yeah, a lot of a lot of folks with these backgrounds have been bred to be aggressive people and function in a fucked up society. And it's very, very difficult. That's like if you were to take a trained fighting dog and try to take him and introduce him to the doggy park, it'd be a little hard for him to not grab another dog by the throat and put him on the ground and shake him to his fucking core, right? Sometimes that's what it feels like, but you got to be in control because if you're not in control, you're at, you're at other people's mercy. And I think that's something we all have to practice is self-control. And I think a way that we can do that is prepare yourself for it is when you see it coming, there's sometimes you can't, if you don't see it coming, there's nothing you can do, Right. But when you see it coming, prepare yourself for it and think, do I need to be in this situation? And 99% of the time, that answer is going to be fucking no. So remove yourself from that equation. And I think moving forward, that's what I'm going to do. That's how I'm going to work. I mean, I have I, I have been getting better at that. And I think, look, I have, I think we're, we're all able, we're able to make mistakes and the biggest thing about making mistakes is do we learn from them? This was the universe giving me an opportunity to learn. And I appreciate that. And I told my friend Randy that on the phone. I said, look, man, if anything, that person's going to be who the fuck they are. And they're going to go through life and be fucked up probably. And they're probably high on meth right now. And they're probably going to go fucking do something stupid and they'll be in jail tomorrow. But I don't have to be that person. I get to learn from this experience. What did I take away from this? And I think that in itself is a good thing because um, I'm constantly learning from mistakes. I don't think we can become better without learning from mistakes. And, and a lot of people obviously make more mistakes than others. There's some people I get to, I get to look at in life. I'm like, fuck, have you ever done anything or said anything wrong or rubbed anybody the wrong way? How are you just so fucking wonderful? And then I look at myself and I'm like, shit, you just mistake here, mistake there, mistake here. You, Boy, you got a lot to learn. You're still learning. But, hey, we have a lifetime, hopefully, um, to learn about ourselves. How about you guys? Are you guys, um, do you feel like you're ever put in these positions? I have a I have a course or a slide in my course that I teach, and it's called Feeling Tested by Society. And if you feel like you're you're always being tested, you're probably not, but chances are you have high exposure levels to a lot of different things, and that's why you feel that way. Just because you haven't been to a doctor and haven't been diagnosed with something doesn't mean that you don't have signs and symptoms of, of, of some of the stuff that goes on. So if you feel like you're constantly being tested, I promise you, nobody wakes up in the morning and they're like, all right, we got to go. Let's go test these motherfuckers. Let's see what they got. It's not that. It's just society is full of ignorant fucking people. And these days, it's not like it was when I was younger, when I was growing up. Most people had consideration for other human beings. These days, there's no consideration. Everybody's just selfish and about themselves. And that's why we're having these problems. So last night on my way home, after that, I got off phone with my friend. And I went down this long, I went down this long swampy road that's on the way back to Charleston where I live. And when I grew up, there's this old church that burned down like in the 1800s or some shit back there. It's called Sheldon Church Road. Y'all should look it up. Pretty cool history on Sheldon Church. And uh, Sheldon Church Road in um, Beaufort County. And it's swampy and it's spooky as shit back there. But it's this long, just dark road. And I went back there and I just sat and, and had some thoughts, you know, to myself. And I was like, all right, who am I becoming? Where am I going? What am I doing? And I don't want to beat myself up too bad, but I just had to have a, a little moment of reflection. And I thought about that. I was like, all right, learning experience, Travis, learn from it and press the fuck on. And I had some really good thoughts in there. And 
I've come a long way, and chances are most of you listening have come a long way too with whatever you're going through. And that's what we got to focus on. It's not where you are. It's how far you've come. And you still got a long way to go. We all do. But that's what this journey is about. As long as we're learning and we're being productive and we're not sitting on the couch feeling sorry for yourself and you're integrating yourself into society, don't use society as your excuse to not thrive. Don't use society as your excuse to become a fucking hermit. Don't use society out of fear of who you may be or what you go out there, involve yourself, integrate yourself and learn, learn from your past experiences and put yourself in positions to grow. And I think, I think that's, that's really important. And I'm, I'm so proud that it's small victories, right? I'm so proud that I actually went to this retirement. As silly as that sounds, I'm so proud that I went to that because I'm, I gave myself every reason not to. And then I did it. And then I was confronted with something afterwards and I immediately started thinking, this is exactly why I don't leave the house. This is exactly, but then you know what? If I start thinking that, that becomes my reality. That just happened. There was just a stupid fucking person out there that I have no control over. But you know what? Who do I have control over? Me, hopefully. (laughs) So as long as we don't lose that control. But I think that's where the real power resides within us. It's being able to be uncomfortable and still function at a high level. Because when we give up on that, when we submit to our our demons, our fears, th- it wins. We're not living. We're not really living. So that's what I challenge everybody to do. If you something makes you uncomfortable, go do it. I had a friend of mine that I met. I never knew this. I never well, I knew him from Instagram before I ever met him and he came to a comedy event that I was in. And I was doing a show and he told me prior to the show, cause he's fucked up, you know, um, I don't want to speak on, on his situation, but he, he told me he had problems and he was making every excuse he had not to come to this comedy event and he wanted to go, but he was trying to find reasons not to go. And then his wife told him, no, we're fucking going. And once we, once you get there, you'll be fine. And that's how it is every single time. It's just getting there. You get there, you're going to be fine. But the, leaving your comfort zone is the hard part. And he didn't want to go. But when he came out, he sat front row. And I'll never forget. He was smiling. He had a good time. I got to meet him personally. And then after that, he was a, he's a firefighter. I went and spent a few hours with him the next day at his firehouse. And we just sat and talked. And it was, it was a beautiful thing. And he told me, he's like, I'm glad I went. And he said, but I tried to talk myself out of it. And that's what we do. Don't talk yourself out of shit. Give yourself a chance to grow. You'll be better for it.